Well, praise the Lord. I want you to open your Bibles to um, John 17. How many know when I say John 17, you know what we're talking about? You need to know that. That's a really important thing to know. That's, we call that Jesus' prayer. He was praying for us. And he says, John 17, verse 14, But now I come to you, he's talking to the Father, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy, he's talking about us, made full in themselves. How many know, I said this Wednesday night, but God's a God of fullness, amen? He wants us to be full. He's not a God of half, half a cup. He's a God of the overflow, amen? That they may be, that my joy may be made full in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Listen, if you don't have some people that don't like you because you're a Christian, then you probably need to check to see if you're acting like a Christian. Amen? It says that the world will hate them. We're not all going, yay. Even as I'm not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world. You know, we could, we could, God could have had as his plan, we get born again and then we get right taken up to heaven. But no one else would get born. How would we get born again? Because it says they have to have, someone has to tell them. Amen? The Bible says, how can they hear if they don't have a preacher? They're not talking about a preacher like this. They're talking about someone that speaks the word to them. Amen? So he said, uh, they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Aren't you glad that Jesus has already asked God to keep us from evil? Isn't that right? When, when, he when the disciples asked him to teach them to pray, what did he say? Keep us from evil. That's one of the things. God wants to keep you from evil. That's his desire that we're not in evil. But we get a choice, don't we? We're not robots. We get a choice. He says that keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. This morning I want to talk to you about uh, a phrase that we many times say that we're in the world but we're not of the world. You've heard that. We've said it. This is where we get it in John 17. But I want us to go a little bit further to see Jesus is saying they're in the world, but they're not of the world, but I send them into the world. Do you understand? So we're not of the world, but we're sent to the world. Because God is sending us. So we can't go up into the mountains and hide in the caves and eat our, our uh, tribulation food. You know what I mean? I know there's a lot of stuff going on, you know, that are taught differently. But we're supposed to have a heart to win 
people to Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I pray that you don't leave this building without making that decision because that's the best thing you'll ever do in your whole life is make a decision to follow Jesus. Amen? To ask him into your heart. Not to, we're not asking you to become a member of a church. We're asking you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And then God will hook you up, praise the Lord, with where you're supposed to worship. But he says, they are not of this world as I am not of this world, but I ask you to keep them from the evil one. And then he says, I have sent them into the world. <laughs> Philippians 2, uh, verse 14 says, Do all things without grumbling and disputing, so that you... I thought that was... You know, sometimes we read over things and we just skip over, but he says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Why? What's the big deal, Jesus? so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. Paul is saying this to them, that when we start grumbling and murmuring, do you know what? It affects other people, doesn't it? Strife always affects other people, but it affects us first. So you have to not allow strife in. So he says that I want you to do this to stop grumbling, stop disputing, so that you can prove yourself to be blameless and innocent. Children of God above reproach. Why? Because we're living in the midst. This is... This is a long time ago, but we're still in the same midst, aren't we? A perverse and crooked generation. We think, well, it's gotten worse. Well, it has gotten worse from, like, say, from the time I was a child. Things are, I, I'm surprised uh, what is allowed these days. It still surprises me, you know. John was talking about television the other day, and <laughs> he was talking, you know, what, something you might have seen or maybe you were in that generation. I was sitting there thinking, I remember when we didn't have television, and I remember when we got a television, and it was black and white, and we were just thrilled, you know. But, of course, my mama said, you can't sit close and look at it. You'll go blind. You can't look at it for very long. You'll go blind. Well, you only had like two channels, so whoopee. <laughs> but I, I tell you, I remember going to the rich folks' house who had color television. But in those days, you know, if they had a married couple, uh, Dick Van Dyke, I think that was one of the shows where the married couple slept in twin beds. They couldn't show one bed in the bedroom. So we have gone a little bit more perverse, right? But here's the thing is, I said we, but I don't mean we. The world, but we are not of the world. We're sent into the world. You understand? You are to go into the world, but you don't let the world come into you. Right? And as we were praying over 
those two graduates today, I, you know, if you heard what Kelly was praying, the thing is, our universities, one of the things they, they just pride themselves on is taking kids that have grown up with church and getting them more open-minded. Well, I'm telling you, God is able to invade every university campus, every college campus. You know, he, he doesn't put them and say, well, we're not going to be there. Nowhere to go into every man's world. Amen? Every man's world. You have a sphere of influence wherever you are. Wherever you are, however old or young you are, you have a sphere of influence to show Jesus to a lost and dying world. Amen? You are the only book some of them will ever read. The only Bible, let's say, some of them would ever read. In one of the scriptures, it's talking about you honor authority. And uh, this is in Paul's, I, I don't remember exactly where it was, but he says that we're to honor the people, all people, love the brethren, the brotherhood, he says in New American Standard, love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the king. Now that's what we're supposed to do in the world is honor all people. Isn't that the cry of everybody's heart these days is they just want to have some validation, right? Well, that doesn't mean you honor what all people do, but you honor them for being people created in God's image and honor that God has put you in a path where you can teach them or tell them about the goodness of the Lord. The Bible says the goodness of the Lord leads to repentance. Amen? People don't need to be bit, a beat on the head and told, you know, you know, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. Most people know what they should or shouldn't do. Not all, but most people. Our job is to show them the love of Jesus and let Jesus change them. I can't change anybody but Brownie, can I? You know, have you ever prayed for somebody to change? We've talked about this many times, especially husbands and wives. Husbands and wives love to pray for the other one to change. Right? I guess I was the only one. I'm the only wife that ever prayed for God to change my husband. Okay, husbands, did you ever pray for God to change your wife? No. <laughs> You're young. <laughs> they still got the honeymoon glow. We'll let that go. <laughs> let the young ones don't speak in the church. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did get a good one, I tell you. Some of you might have the opportunity to have some issues that you'd like God to change about your mate. And you might go to God and you might tell God, you know, God, would you talk to him about this or would you talk to her about that? And it's been my experience, and I've talked to many people, it's been their experience too, that God hardly ever agrees with you that he needs to talk to them. He immediately starts to talk to you about you. Which, you know what? I finally got where I just didn't do it anymore. Because <laughs> I knew I was going to get in trouble. 
I just go say, okay, God, what am I needing to change so that this gets better? Because I found out that it's, it's with every relationship. That, I'm talking about a marriage, but it's in every relationship. So we have to be, the, what, what's the Bible say? Don't grumble, don't murmur, so that you can be a light to this lost and dying world, a crooked and perverse generation, so that they can see Jesus in you. The wonderful thing is that we have the opportunity to be, it doesn't say be as lights, it says be light. Be light. Why, how can we be light? Because the light of, the, of Jesus is in us. We have the light of the world living in us. But what do we see on the media sometimes? We see hate, hatred. Ever seen some, you know, there's, there's a church in, in the United States. I'm not going to say their name. But they, they pride themselves on going to funerals of servicemen and other people and protesting and saying very hateful things that, you know, your son is in hell, da-da-da-da. Do you think anybody gets born again from that? And they come out of a denomination that believes in being born again. That's not what God asked us to do. What did Jesus do? Jonathan was showing this, talking about this the other night when he was talking uh, preaching from uh, Revelations, and he was talking about <clears throat> Babylon. You know, Revelation talks about Babylon. And Babylon is really, it was a place, but it came to be uh, a symbol of the world. Listen, Babylon is even in our day-to-day -day, a lot of things that are are very uh, influenced by Babylon, meaning by the world, the world system, right? The world system, you know, in any, any way we think, we're called, if we think a certain way, according to the scriptures, we get, right, we get labeled with a, a label that is not who we are. Well, how do you fight that? You don't fight that with people because remember, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the dark places. In other words, you cannot fight people one-on-one, -on -one, arguing, complaining. That's not going to win it. You have to be a light. You have to show Jesus. And so here's what he's saying. He's saying in this scripture that we hold fast the word of life. Hold fast. That means I don't care what they say. Here's what I believe. I'm going to hold, this is not my water. Uh, I'm going to hold fast to what God says. I'm not going to hold fast to what CNN says. I'm not going to hold fast to what CBC says. I'm going to hold fast to what God says. And if I do that, then I'm going to live in victory. And so today, I want to just confirm to us as you know, as we celebrate Dominion Day, Canada Day, I want us to remember why God brought us to this country or why you were born in this country. You know, <clears throat> when David Bounds came down to Texas, I was the one assigned to pray for him from our church. I was his, you know, I was a missionary prayer person. So I would write letters 
And uh, it would go, Dear David, beloved of the Lord, I pray that you prosper and in health even as your soul prospers. And I'd just write scriptures. So one day he, he uh, sent a letter to some people that he knew went to the same church. He said, How is Brownie? He said, she, she writes letters, but tell her I have a Bible. <laughs> well, you see, I didn't, I, I didn't want him to think I was some girl writing this single missionary. I, wanted, I was assigned to write the missionary. And so, so when he came to Texas, he would, he'd been on another mission trip, and he'd come through, and he stopped where I was living at the time, in Arlington, Texas, and he called and said, uh, could I take you to supper because I'd like to thank you for praying and, and encouraging me all the time when I've been up in Canada. He was living in Frenchman Butte and uh, ministering at Onion Lake and in this area also. And so <clears throat> I said, well, I have to work. I, I was in charge of the, all the computers at this ministry where I worked, and so I worked I, I literally slept there. I was there all the time. That's what I did. I babysat computers and wrote code and all that. That's what I did. So I said, well, I don't, I, I only get, you know, a little time off, but you can come to the office with me. So he did, and he started talking about Canada, and he started talking about particularly the Cree people. And I just started weeping and weeping. And... Uh, he asked me, what, is, there, is there something wrong? And I said, I don't know. It's just... He had asked me to come to Canada one time, and I said, I'll never go to Canada. <laughs> I'm from Texas. It's too cold in Canada. I don't like cold. So he, he wondered why I was weeping about Canada. But you see, God had put Canada in my heart. God had put the Cree people in my heart, and I didn't know it. So God puts things in your heart. Right now, God, this week, deposited a nation in my heart that I, if I heard it, I started weeping, and I know what it's about. It's another nation God's put in my heart. And I would hear the word. I'd just hear the word, and I'd start to cry. I know what that means. That's what happened with the Philippines when God started talking to us about the Philippines. So God puts nations in your heart. God puts people in your heart. And that is for you to have an openness because when God wants you to do something in this world, when we're sent into the world, we have to go with an open heart. We can't go and say, oh, I have all these conditions. You know, you can't go and say, well, I'll, I'll do that, Lord, if this happens or if that happens. We have to have an open heart to do what God says. And when we do that, then God opens doors. And so as David would talk to me that night, it was that night, and then, then uh, the minister that I worked for that, at that time, he, he always came in at night and did radio broadcasts and stuff. And so he came in and he fell in love with David. Just He just wanted to talk to David. And so they would talk and they would talk about Canada. And I would sit there and listen and I'd just weep. And he looked over at me because he, he really wanted me to stay forever at that ministry because when, when they, someone would say, let's pray for Brownie to get a husband, he would always say, nope, 
nope, not praying that. <laughs> but he saw that night, Canada dropped in my heart. Now, I didn't, I didn't connect that with Dave, marrying David Bounds. That took a while, but God dropped it in my heart. Because God will put things in our heart. And, you know, when he first puts it in and our hearts are open, we're like, yes, yes. You know, <laughs> when I was little, these are for my African brothers and sisters. When I was little, they told us, you pray, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. But they told us as little kids that always means Africa. <laughs> so I was willing to go to Africa, but not Canada. At heat, I could take. Cold, I didn't want. You know, God was gracious and let me go to Africa. But it was a long time after I was in Canada. But you see, God puts those things in your heart, but you can't put conditions on the Lord. But here's the thing is, when God puts something in your heart, and I'm talking about, I know he, does, he puts other all kinds of stuff in our heart, you know, about our own futures, about our family, whatever. But I'm talking about an assignment from God because I believe what today I can deposit into you is how God gives you an assignment. I am convinced that I'm not going to leave this earth till I finish my assignment. I have an assignment. And the assignment expands. And then some things, the assignment changes. Like, okay, you're through with that season. You know, I pastored for many years with David. And then when he went to heaven, I pastored. But there was a time that came where God said, that assignment has come to an end. Here's the next assignment. He never just says, okay, you're out, you're out, you know, go out, you know, you're through. He has another thing for us to do, right? So what I want you to understand today is I want you to find out from God what your assignment is. Let him put in your heart what he wants you to do. It might be about your business. He might be talking to you about a project he wants you to do. You're in this church. This church has several things that God is calling us to do. And it, like I said earlier, it's expanding. So part of being in this church, I'm part of this church. Part of my assignment is to help accomplish this vision. That's part of my assignment. That's part of your assignment. But here's the thing I want to uh, say that when God puts an assignment in our heart like he did when Jesus says, I'm sending them into the world, do you understand that at that time he had 12 disciples, right? So he, he's saying them consisted of just them and then the people that followed them. But he, had, he knew he was looking at generations. He, was, he wasn't looking at just them, but he knew that these ones that, he, he was, that, that were hearing this, he knew that they would all die for the gospel. So he knew the cost of that, to send them into the world. Remember, uh, Wednesday night we talked about that uh, when Stephen was uh, martyred, when Stephen was stoned, uh, persecution came, and uh, it said that, and, and who was the persecutor? It was Saul, who later became Paul. He was going for, you know, really persecuting the Christians. But what happened, the Bible says that they scattered 
and they preached. In other words, they lost everything. They scattered because of persecution, but they preached. So some people say we should pray for persecution. You don't need to pray for persecution. Persecution can come. It will come. We don't pray for persecution. That's like praying for sickness. Like, no, no, the devil will do what he does. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Eric told us this morning, right? Aren't you glad there was a but there? But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly, John 10, 10. So we understand that God puts things in our hearts, assignments in our hearts. And here's the thing. Watch, be careful, and be mindful that your soulish realm, your mind, your will, your emotions, will start to argue with you. See, when, when God put Canada in my heart, I didn't, I didn't understand all the things I understand now. You understand, I was only five years old in the Lord at that time. I... I knew some, but I didn't know what I know now, and I certainly don't know now what I'm going to know later. But I had no idea that meant I was going to marry David and move to Canada because I was still at the point of, I'm supposed to pray. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to pray for Canada. That's my assignment. Pray for Canada. Pray for this missionary. Bless his heart. He has to live in Canada. <laughs> I get to live in Texas. The great state of Texas. Bless his heart. He has to live in an igloo, as my mother thought. <laughs> so your mind comes in and tries to convince you that's not what God meant. Well, where did that start? Do you remember the beginning of that? Wasn't that like in the Garden of Eden? Did the devil not say the same things at the Garden of Eden? God had an assignment for Adam and Eve. He told them what they were to do and what they weren't to do. And what was the first thing that happened? The enemy came, the devil came, and said, Did God not say? Well, the truth of the matter, God didn't say that. But this is what I want you to understand is the enemy can put thoughts in your mind. They don't have to be your thoughts. He can't read your mind. He does. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He's not all-knowing like God. He has, I mean, he doesn't have near the power that people give him. But the things he knows is what he hears come out of our mouth. So he'll convince you, you can't do that. Or that's not what God meant. That's why it's wonderful to have godly counsel. You need godly counsel, but you, you have the Holy Spirit. That's the best counselor, amen? You go to God and you pray over it, you know, and don't be impulsive and just go do it, you know, first time it comes up, the first opportunity. Pray over things. But I know that God, I know this from what I've had this, this week and what I've seen God do in Jonathan this week. Uh, and prophetically some things that have said, I know, I know that God is calling us to things that we might in our own self say we can't do that. 
But how many know if God says do it, we can do it. With God, all things are possible. Amen? So I want you to be mindful that when our pastor returns and, and uh, you know, when he starts, uh, as we would say, casting vision, because the Bible says without vision the people perish. Well, you need vision for your own life personally. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus that you have a personal vision for your own life. But as a corporate body, we have to hear from heaven what God's vision for us as a corporate body is. And I want, I'm I'm like John the Baptist. I've come to prepare the way to say, be ready and don't try to figure it out in your mind. Changes are coming, you know, and already some of your brains are going, I wonder what she's talking about. I wonder what she's talking about. Do you know what she's talking about? I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's not very good for a preacher to say on a Sunday morning. Might need to edit that one out. <laughs> what I mean is I don't know the fullness of it because God will fill it out. You know? I know that God is calling us to do greater works. I know God is calling us to reach more people. I know that God is calling us to stretch out our tent posts, our tent pegs, as Isaiah 54 talks about. But I want you to be ready. So I'm saying to you today, we have been called out of the world, but sent into the world. Same same verse of Scripture John 17, he says both. Someone would say, Jesus, you just count, contradicted yourself. You just said they're not of the world. Now you're saying I send them into the world. It's different. That's different. I'm not of it, but I'm sent to it. You are an ambassador. You are a missionary. You are whatever. You represent heaven. You represent heaven. Hallelujah. First Peter 2 says this. But you are, 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race. Aren't you glad you're chosen? A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for God's own possession. Here's those three words again. So that you. Notice that was in Philippians. Peter said it. I mean, Paul said it. Now Peter says it. There's a reason I'm, I'm part of a chosen race. There's a reason I'm part of a royal priesthood. There's a reason I, I am part of a holy nation. There's a reason I'm God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellency of him who has called you. When Eric and Rhonda stood up here this morning, they were proclaiming the excellencies of him who has called us. Did you recognize that? Did you recognize that when we speak of the goodness of the Lord, when we tell of what God's done for us, we are proclaiming the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For for you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. 
You had not received mercy, but now, thank God, you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, this is happening so much today, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that the things that they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Today, all over our nation, there's celebrations. And many of them are celebrating what they have done or what people have done. Our nation used to be uh, recognized or called a Christian nation. Not so now. Not so. But understand, we are a holy nation. We're not of this. But we influence this. God has put us here to influence. God has put us here to change the atmosphere. We sing a song, the atmosphere is changing here. For the spirit of the Lord is here. Right? You and I can change an atmosphere. You and I can go into a meeting like I have, a city council meeting, where they are going to rip you apart for having a ladies' meeting in a, in a uh, city-owned building, even though you own property in that city, even though everybody else gets to have meetings in that building. And yet, we set up a ladies' conference, and we're going to be in the building, and the whole, this isn't this city, this was Loom Lake. They hold a whole big thing. They're not going to allow us, because the preachers in the city, in the town, it's not a city. I don't even know if it was a town then. I think it was a village, and it might still be a village. But anyway, they had told city council that we were, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you. Anyway. They said we hung from, we swung from chandeliers. And those days we had a one-room building with a single uh, light bulb hanging down. That would have been a trick. I would have liked to have seen that. <laughs> but we were called before them. And of course they called the meeting on a Sunday morning. But God said, hold your peace. Don't speak. You don't have to do this. You don't have to defend yourself. I will defend you. Well, if you knew my husband and you knew Brownie, for him to tell both of us to not speak, that took an act of God. <laughs> we had all the people in Lloyd Minster and Loon Lake praying for us. But the thing was, we wanted to rent the village. What do you call that? Hall? What was Rec center that everybody else they had dances they had bingos they had all we wanted to have a ladies meeting there we own property the church owned property we personally own property but no we couldn't do it but God had called us to that small place 
to influence that place for the gospel. God called us. God gave us an assignment. God said, I want you to have a ladies' meeting. But you're going to need more room than you have in that little bitty building. So what did we do? We, we rented it, and then we got called into the city council. But let me tell you, God knew what was going to happen. They started, the preachers started screaming at each other. The city council are looking at the preachers. Then they're looking at us. And we're just sitting there. And all of a sudden, one of the city councilmen says something very profound. I won't say what it was, but it was profound for that thing. <laughs> and it put a halt to everything, and they had no argument anymore. We didn't have to say, no, we don't swing from the chandeliers. We would love to have a chandelier. It just wouldn't look really good in that little building. But <laughs> if you want to donate a chandelier, we'll take it. No, we didn't have to say anything. But God did it. Because here's what he's saying. This is what we understand. We live in a perverse and crooked generation that wants to stop the gospel. But listen, we're not fighting flesh and blood. If you can settle that in your heart, if you can settle that every, in every area, you are not to fight with people. You're not. The Bible says we're not supposed to argue these things. Stop it. But we fight against those spirits. Just like with Adam and Eve, the, the, the devil said, has not God said? Well, that really messed things up, didn't it? God created two people. First two people. And what did they do? They blew it. Now, most people would say, God, you're a, that wasn't a good plan. But he had a plan, didn't he? Immediately he had a plan. He had a plan of redemption. Sin came in, but listen, God already had a plan at the very moment. He spoke that plan, I'll send. He knew he, he already had the plan to send Jesus to redeem us from that. Praise the Lord. So as we get into this, we understand that we have to keep our behavior excellent. I want you to hear that because that speaks to me so much. And I, I mess up. I do. And I, I have to repent because I'm responsible to keep my behavior excellent among the Gentiles. You just got to do it because it's for his sake, not for our sake. So as we see, as we see as we're, you know, celebrating a day, God didn't create this day, although God had a hand in creating this nation. We're not, we're not worshiping Canada. You know, when we sing, oh, Canada, if you want to lift your hands up when you say, you know, we stand on guard for thee, that, you know. But I don't lift my hand when I start, oh, Canada. I'm not praising, oh, Canada. You understand? We're not worshiping this nation. Because Jonathan uh, said this, when he, the other night when he was preaching, he made this statement, never choose patriotism over holiness. His father met with Christian leaders, this is back in the 90s, met with Christian leaders from all across Canada, and they met because they felt like the American uh, 
gospel was being too prominent in Canada and we needed to make it more Canadian. So they were having this meeting and uh, they were thinking of ways, you know, we can do this, we can do that. And my husband, who, like I said, he, he was a man of many words, but at that meeting, he kept his mouth shut till, and I heard this from others, not from him. Uh, he, he later told me, yes, I did that, but he didn't tell me, someone else told me that he, he stopped the whole thing. He had his head bowed and he lifted his head and he said, there is no anointing in patriotism. Not that you shouldn't be patriot, patriotic. That's not what God was saying. But do you understand? There's no anointing in being patriotic. The anointing comes from the Holy Spirit. The anointing comes from God. So I can't make a political thing be anointed. You understand? Am I getting too political now? I am not coming against celebrating Canada Day. Please understand this. But I want you to know there's a reason God has you in Canada. There's a reason God has you in Lloydminster or wherever you, you live today. There's a reason for it. God has you in a place. He, he has placed us. The Bible says that God puts us in place. Now you're talking about in the church. So God places us in, sets us in our set place in the church. But he also has places for us. So that's why you should never think that it's your decision where you live. You should never move for a job. You should never, okay, I'm getting too nosy now. Let me just say, without seeking the Lord's business, without seeking the Lord. Amen? The Lord can, can do it, but you have to know the Lord sent you. Okay, let's wrap this up. <clears throat> As you see in the Bible, there was many who changed governments for God. Joseph, you know, he became a, a great leader that, that really saved the people of God in his day. Moses led his people out of Egypt, changed the government. Esther, Remember, she came. Mordecai, her uncle, said, who could say, but you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this? See, one person can change a nation. So instead of complaining about government, instead of protesting against government, why don't we be that one person? Why don't we be the person that changes a nation? Daniel changed a nation because he refused to pray to the king's statue. The three Hebrew children, they refused to bow. They changed that, that king's heart because he said, I saw the fourth man. Amen? Changed it. Two people, you might not, the women know it because I preached it to the women, but two women who changed the nation was Shipra and Pua. You know who Shipra and Pua were? They were two Hebrew midwives. When the king had ordered that all the male babies would be born, they, the king's orders were when the babies were being born that the midwives were to kill the baby boys. But there was two, Shifrup and Pua. Hallelujah. I don't have any friends named Shifrup and Pua, but I like these two women. What did they do? They, <laughs> they kept letting them live. 
And so when the government came and said, how come, you know, how come you're letting them? They said, these Hebrew women, they just have babies. They come so quick. We can't catch them. We can't do anything. Like, do you know Moses was one of those babies? Don't you understand? Because of two women who refused to kill those male babies. Now, there were other male babies that got killed because obviously they weren't the midwives for everybody. But because of them, do you know how many males went into the promised land? We don't know for sure, but approximately 600,000. Because two women said, I'm not going to kill them. I'm not going to. And the Bible says that God blessed them. God gave them households. They didn't even, they, they didn't have what they needed, but because they took care of God's house, he took care of their house. Because he took care, they took care of God's household, he took care of their household. We can change a nation, but we cannot change a nation if we're grumbling, if we're complaining, if we're always just talking bad. Listen, if, if I have someone on social media that's always downing the government, I block them. Doesn't mean I, you know, they might be saying things that I think that's, well, that's the truth. But I can't afford. When there was a president in the States, before this president, there was another president, and I had people that were my friends, had been my friends for 40 years, and they would tell, say terrible things about that president. I wouldn't have voted for that president, but I'm not going to listen to that. I blocked them. We cannot afford to let our eyes get into that. Don't get into it. If someone starts to complain, don't get into it. Just this is for you. This is a good rule for everything. Amen. Just don't get into it. Say no. You don't need to tell me. I've had people come to me and say, you know, we we're here, here at this church. We're at the word church because this is what our pastor blah 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 blah. blah. We stop them. Say no 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 no. Don't want to hear it. You go talk to that pastor. See, you have to stop. You have to stop. You have to stop. I have to stop. And if I'm praying for someone, doesn't affect my prayers if I'm listening to negative things about them. Doesn't it? If someone starts talking to you about somebody and then God wants you to pray for them, aren't you already tainted? Be careful. As we wind up, be careful. Be careful. Hallelujah. There's more, but I just want to encourage you today. God's given us assignments, and it's to change. We, the word church is not the only church. In fact, next Sunday, the Church of Lloyd Minster is having a picnic. And you know we do not talk against other churches, and don't you try to talk about other churches. That's the, we don't do that. We bless them. We're, we're, we're not just, we're not the only church. We're not, you know, we, we're the one God put us in, and we're so thankful for that. I'm thankful for this church. I, this is a church I'm so glad I'm in. I don't want to be in another church. But what, what I want us to be is mindful that God wants to come into every church in this city with a revival, with an awakening where the Holy Spirit is free to move He's not hindered in any way. Where the preacher preaches what God says, where the people get born again, filled with the Spirit, where there's healings, mighty signs and wonders, miracles for in every church. 
But it's our choice. It's our choice if we want God to move in this church. We, 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 don't, we don't have a decision on what the other pastors are doing. For this church, I want you to come with an expectancy. I want you to come with a hunger that I want God to move. My job today as the, you know, uh, the apostle is really one of the things the scripture says that apostles set things in order. Well, I've come, I believe the Holy Spirit wanted us to just be aware that we are being sent out into the world. And to do that, I have to make sure this vessel is ready to go. Make sure your vessel is ready. Make sure that you're pleasing to God. Make sure that we don't bring reproach on the gospel. Amen? We'll all, we'll all mess up. We'll all do things that we need to repent of. I don't say we have to be perfect. There was only one perfect. But we will be who God called us to be. And then we go to Revelation. And this is what I love as we close. Revelation 5, verse 9 and 10. One day we'll be there. This week I was very aware of heaven and earth touching. I was very aware of, of things happening in the spirit. I was aware of what was going on in heaven. And heaven was aware of what things were happening on earth. We see in, in the New Testament, in Paul's writings, we see that in the end times it's going to become more and more uh, prevalent. But this is what we'll witness. And this is what's going on in heaven already. But one day we'll get to be part of it. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. We are called to be priests unto our God. We are called to bring the kingdom. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We are kingdom people to bring God's kingdom to overthrow the Babylonian kingdom or the world's kingdom. Amen? We have authority. So we get to sing too. We get to thank God too. And he is worthy, isn't he? You have made us to be kings and priests, a kingdom and priests to our God, and you will make us to reign upon the earth. Now, we know this is talking about, this is talking about after the tribulation, you know, that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and, you know, we'll have new assignments. But if we go to what God said back in Genesis, that it, he said, I give you dominion. You know what dominion means? means rulership. So the enemy has no right to rule. We are the rulers. So take your place, church. Take your place, church. Be who God called you to be. Let's be excited about our coming assignments. I want you to seek the Lord. But listen, when we come in here, don't try to have an opinion about what you think. Let's have a heart open to what God thinks, what God is saying. Amen?
Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet.